What is up, football fans? Welcome back to another episode of Pound the Pigskin, where it's all football all the time. This is your host, Steve Hillen, along with your fellow football host, Alex, the Marine, Ruiz, Matt, Bear, Kaczynski. Gentlemen, officially summertime on our show, which means officially the start of our Division Dive series, which we've been doing um, for the entirety of this program, and it leads us through the summertime, the dog days of summer, as they say in baseball season, all the way up until pretty much the uh, the final week before the regular season starts. So this is kind of the meat and potatoes of the off-season uh, programming, getting all the listeners and fans a little bit more insight into their teams, the divisions, the uh, the season that is to come. So Division Dive Series officially starts today, uh, and we are going to kick it off with the AFC South. So I know you guys are excited. We get to get – into a little bit more detail when with each of these teams that we cover. That we do this is uh, definitely, I think, become our uh, a really nice staple series. That is well put. It is definitely one of the staple series that we do on the podcast. Uh, and as we do with each and every episode, we start off with our drink of the night, brought to you by String Sports Brewery. Congratulations to Colby and his brother and his dad Scott hosting the uh, Jacksonville. Uh, town hall last week had the Jaguars in there answering a bunch of questions from the fans about the future of the program uh, in Duval County. Shad was there. Lamping was there. Good turnout at the brewery. Uh, good, good on them. I know they're excited about opening up the second location off of Penman as well. So uh, that being said, drink of the night over here, this guy, simple yingling lager. Okay. Uh, I'm going to be boring, and uh, I got just a haze again. There you go. Okay, so two boring two boring drink challenge. Are you going to liven it up, or are you going to bless us with more boredom? More boredom. <laughs> all, right, all right. We promised the show won't be boring. It's uh, finishing off my Blake's Hard Cider. All right, so we got beer, we've got non-alcoholic beer, and we've got cider. That's what we're rocking and rolling with as we dive into the very first division in this division dive series. We're going to look at the AFC South, obviously Jaguars, Texans, Colts, and Titans boys. It was a, I don't want to call it a weak division last year. Um, Obviously there was some drama at the end of the season in terms of how the division was won. Some big games at the end of the year, the Jaguars eventually winning the division uh, Titans finishing Second, Colts third, Houston fourth. The Jaguars were a nine-win team. The Titans a seven-win team. The Colts a four-win team. And the Texans a three-win team. So, that being said, we will start it from the bottom and work our way up. So, we'll start with those Houston Texans. Obviously, they had um, some high-caliber draft picks. They brought in quarterback C.J. Stroud with the second overall pick. They traded back up to the third overall pick, brought in edge rusher Will Anderson. Um, in total, they had themselves a pretty good draft, I would say. I mean, nine draft picks. They've got a rookie head coach coming in in D'Amico Ryan. So, I mean, this is a team that is certainly in rebuild mode, and there's transition to be had as part of that rebuild. So we'll start it off with this. What is the current or what should be the current 
level of expectation for Houston Texan fans going into this 2023 season? Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be a team that will flash at some moments. Um, I think you can see maybe where they're doing some things that are smart. Um, I think you're going to, I think you have to be reasonable in that this is clearly going to be a young team with a lot of like growing pains. I mean, you have, you have a rookie quarterback that's going to have big expectations. Um, ironically enough, I kind of like D'Amico kind of giving their basically a QB competition. And I think it's smart. Um, cause who knows, maybe Mill starts out and then you end up pulling him and you give the kid a little bit of, uh, chance to get used to the NFL. Um, I expected them to be a little bit competitive and kind of continue what they've been doing. They're going to What do you think, Alex? What, uh, what should be the fans expectations for this team this season? I mean, I honestly don't know, man. <laughs> I mean, there's going to be growing pains. I think that should be fan expectation number one. You got a rookie head coach who's going to have to figure out his style. Obviously, a defensive coach coming over from San Francisco, so you know he's going to focus on that side of the ball with the play calling, but still. When you're head coach, you got to manage the game now too. I just, I, my my big issue. I mean, obviously, we know. I mean, the head coach isn't an issue. We've been calling for Demarco Murray to get a head coaching job for the last three seasons, and we're surprised he didn't get one. So, I'm not worried about the team in that aspect in terms of coaching or, or what they're going to look like overall. Yeah, I think there is some problems with defensive head coaches getting rookie quarterbacks and trying to mold them. I mean, we've seen the statistic time and time again where they just have no success unless they're in an offensive-minded system. So maybe he's going to take those those analytical approaches and, and let the offense do what it needs to do to develop C.J. Stroud. But that's, to me, for this team – that's the biggest question mark is CJ Stroud. And it's not because he's a rookie quarterback. It's because he's an Ohio state quarterback. quarterback. <laughs> I mean, and that, that's it. Like no, nobody's, you know, there's outside of that. Like there's, there's, it's just going to be a team that we know is in the midst of a rebuild, new head coach, new, new, new freaking rookie quarterback. You know, they went and they went and put a bunch of weapons together as they could. So it's, it, this is, this is, more of a question mark to me at the college this kid came from because there's been no successful quarterbacks that come from that college. Um, again, a one-year starter um, that can do anything. And that goes for pretty much any one-year starter in in, in the NCAA. So um, the fact that he's you know out of Ohio State is just a double whammy because they don't produce quarterbacks. That's not what they're about. They, they produce defensive backs, defensive ends, and fucking wide receivers. We all know this. So yeah, he's going to have to buck the trend, that's for sure. I think having Pep Hamilton as the offensive coordinator helps him out a little bit. Hamilton obviously got Herbert ready his rookie year with the Chargers, so he's a guy who's worked with rookie quarterbacks in the past. I think um, the growing pains are going to be a, an, an accepted part of this season. Uh, D'Amico Ryans obviously has some cornerstone building blocks on the defensive side of the ball to be able to teach his approach to. Uh, as far as you know, the outlook of this team, you know, they won three games last year. Their win total in Vegas right now sits at six and a half. We talked about that on the show. 
last week. We don't see them being a seven-win football team necessarily. Obviously, the schedule shakes out where they've got their division games. Uh, they play against the AFC North as their other AFC division, um, and then they play against the NFC South as their uh, intra-conference division, so they get the weaker of the four NFC divisions in their schedule. I'll say this, though. The schedule definitely does not um, present itself to be a very easy uh, start to the season. they got to go on the road to play against Baltimore, and they've got a division game right away against the Colts and the Jaguars week two and three before they play against the Steelers. So the first four aren't exactly going to be uh, easy for a team that's going to be trying to figure themselves out, a lot of young players. Um, we've got to look at – Got to look at that, too. What kind of defenses is C.J. Stroud going to face? He's going to face that Ravens defense. He's going to face uh, that Steelers defense uh, to his first four games. Not an easy task for a guy first coming into the league. Well, I mean, I'm going to call me crazy, and I just said it. I would not be shocked if there is a possibility Mills starts. Only because... Again, like Alex has already said, we don't need to beat it to death, but at the same time, it's fun because it's Ohio State. Um, you don't produce quarterbacks. Like, you throw this kid into the fire week one, Baltimore. I, Colts are going to be wild card. We'll talk more about it. Stay with Jags. Um, I mean, we kind of expect. I'm not going to go into it yet. Pitt, like, that's a gauntlet right out of the gate, potentially because of who it is and what those games could mean down the line. Do you throw that kid out there week one? Yeah, I mean, the the assumption is because of, you know, Lean on where him. they were last year and where they drafted him, I think the safe assumption is yes, but there's no guarantees. I mean, by Lean. all accounts, you know, whether Mills just blows him away or there's an injury, you never know. Well, they've been rotating first team and all so far, basically alternating. And, I mean, look, they can lean on, they can lean on Mills and Pierce. Pierce, can, Pierce is a, a, quietly a really damn good running back, so – if the line has a little bit of, you know, uh, ability to open up good gaps and holes and block, like, you never know. Like, it could be a good situation for Stroud. Now, granted, I'm 100% with Alex. I, I, it's Ohio State. Well I'll, hit, well, I'll talk about that probably all year. Well, um, I mean, it's one of those things where you got you to gotta prove it to us before we believe it. But you mentioned Damian Pierce. Obviously, they brought in Devin Singletary as oh. another um, – player in the backfield i think they're gonna rely like you said on the running game they're gonna get john mechie back who will technically be a rookie dalton schultz was a big free agent tight end acquisition to help the offensive line is actually pretty good laramie tunsil's a good tackle shaq mason king and green uh adequate guards titus howard another adequate starter at right tackle probably start the rookie juice scruggs at center We'll see. The defense has got some names, but once again, D'Amico Ryans is going to have to get them to play his style of ball, which I think will take some time, but he certainly can do it. He's got some veteran players at linebacker like Christian Harris and Denzel Perriman. So um, the roster is not um, as brutal as you would think it would be for a three-win team. Well, it's not as brutal last year when we looked at it, when we were like, what is this? Yeah. (laughs) Last year when we were doing this, we were like, where where the hell are they going to get wins from I mean it, it looked like a, a bad Canadian football league roster at some points but and they'll definitely have their ups and downs there's no doubt about it um, I think that like I said if you're a Houston Texans fan um, you have to know that this season is just going to be filled with growing pains you won three games last year and you were 
you were a brutally bad team last year. I think that even with their rookie quarterback, can they win four? Sure, they could probably win four. I think the roster's a little bit better. It'll obviously be interesting to see the head coaching style that D'Amico Ryans takes on and how he manages games. We know that he's been proven as a defensive coordinator, but we've seen plenty of coaches in the league who have been great coordinators and then head coach time uh, to shine and doesn't exactly happen. So we'll, we'll see. I would expect it to be mostly a season of, of growing pains. There's obviously a lot to be, you know, optimistic and hopeful about, you know, because of all the quote unquote potential, but potential just brings hope productions what gets you paid so eventually they're going to have to produce um, maybe not year one but certainly down the road now as far as the odds go we know that their odds aren't very good I mean to win the division they're obviously the biggest long shot in the division at plus 800 Um, so this is clearly not a team you're going to bet to win the division like we mentioned the, the over under win total is set at six and a half none of us here think that they're going to get over six and a half either. Um, So if you're interested in the odds, you're probably not betting on the Texans to be a good football team this season. Yeah, probably not. (laughs) Now, the next team we're going to bring up, a little bit of a wild card like Matt alluded to, uh, the Indianapolis Colts, okay? So you're talking about a four-win football team a year ago. They had an absolute quarterback carousel clusterfuck between Matt Ryan and Nick Foles and Sam Ellinger. Um, the offensive line was bad. Jonathan Taylor was hurt. The defense regressed. There was just a whole lot. They fired the coach midseason. They brought in a guy off of the TV and Jeff Saturday to come coach the team um, at the back half of the year. There was just a whole heck of a lot that was just an absolute mockery when it comes to playing NFL football. That being said, they took the fourth overall pick. They drafted a Florida alumni like myself, Anthony Richardson. Alex and I both knew it was a mistake as soon as it happened, but, hey, it is what it is. They're rolling the dice with what they what they hope is, uh, is the next Cam Newton, but we'll see. Now, they've got players on their roster who are proven in this league, but – The question is, once again, you got rookie quarterback paired up with rookie head coach and Shane Steichen, who was the OC with the Eagles this past year, which, I mean, anybody could have been an offensive coordinator for the Eagles last year and been successful. Point is, what should be the expectation if you're an Indianapolis Colts fan for this team 2023? What should be? What should be a fan expectation for the Colts? They should have tempered expectations is what they should have. I would agree with that. Um, look, I, we, I'm not going to beat the, the fucking bush on this one too much. I mean, the, <laughs> they've got a great run game. They've got a great defensive line. They drafted Anthony Richardson, terrible. Um, they don't have any wide receivers, so I don't know who the fuck he's going to throw the ball to, but good for them because the guy can't throw the ball when he's under pressure anyways. And that, what's going to happen is going to be under pressure because their offensive line is not that fucking good. So, um, I can't wait to watch this team play, uh, because it, it, he's going to do exactly what we said was going to be the case, um, before he even got drafted. Um, 
I mean, you look at you look at you know the Colts' schedule, um, and it, it's nothing nothing to be excited about for them. I mean, yeah, they they so they it's wild. Well, they've got to play in the division first two games, out of right? The you know, they 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 got a they got a home game against the Col- um, against the Jags, and then they got to travel to the Texans and whatever. You know, Jags are going to absolutely block Mike LaFleur with them. Um, Texans, it's going to be hit or miss. I don't, you know, I think Stroud is a better quarterback than Anthony Richardson, but that's just me. Um, then they got, you know, Ravens, Rams, Titans, who are questionable. And then they got Jags again, who are going to sweep them this season. So, um, I mean, the, the first the first six weeks for them is just going to be an absolute terror um, because the teams are that they're going against are, are good teams, even though they have some question marks. I know the Rams have some question marks, right? The the Titans have some question marks. The Ravens don't have any question marks, despite having a running back at underneath the center. So, um, <laughs> it the Colts are going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL this season. I, I hate to break it to you, taking Anthony Richardson at four overall is not going to change your fucking luck uh, under any circumstances. Um, but good on you for for sticking it through and saying, "Hey, we're, this is going to be our guy for at least the next three years, unless he is just an absolute." bomb like we which we know he's going to be um and even that i don't think they're going to move away from it because they're committed to this decision well they had to be in order to pull the trigger at four but uh matt what of what do you think the fan expectation should be for the indianapolis colts i think it should be tempered but i definitely don't think they're going to be um i don't think they're going to be a doorstep team i think they're going to be competitive if it is an if but they are going to be competitive if two guys come back strong after some injury plagued uh, seasons, and um, that's Leonard and um, JT. So if those guys come back strong, you know you're looking at um, you're going to look at a competitive team. I know the offensive line, like Alex said, it's definitely not amazing, but Quentin it's, Austin, it's like below average. Again, I not disagree by any means, but for some reason, there always seems to be those teams that have a that you're like, what are they gonna like? How are they gonna protect anybody? Or they've got like one key piece. There's always one offensive line that somehow creates like great gaps and has a great run game, and you're like, how is this team having that success? I think it could be the Colts. Now, I don't think they're going to be a super large win team or anything. I don't think you're going to be chasing a division. Although I'll get into that when we hit some other teams, um, Anthony Richardson's definitely not the guy, and I'm going to say that kind of hesitantly, only because who the fuck knows? Um, I don't think he will be though. We but do. do think, we are telling you. We we. But know. the only thing I'm going to say, <laughs> only thing I'm going to say, it's going to be interesting with this division. We just talked about with the Texans. They've got Damian Pierce, Colts. They've got JT. If these teams can actually establish their run, and the Colts more so than even the Texans because the Colts actually have some talent, um, you never know. They could be competitive. If the, run there, if the run game is their dominance, they don't have to rely on Anthony Richardson passing down field a lot. Well, they, the run game is going to have to be the key. They could. I mean, of course, but I'm just saying, like, if that actually starts working – you could have a decent team. If Leonard comes back as the guy that he's supposed to be, boom. You got your stuff back. Now, the problem is, is they got nobody behind him because <laughs> he went to the Giants. Um, but I think they'll be middle. I, I think they'll be at, like, below average middle of the pack team. 
Well, so their win total is six and a half, which is exactly the same as the Houston Texans. So Vegas doesn't expect this team to be making uh, leaps and bounds in terms of improvements. I think there's a lot of similarities to Houston and the fact that, all right, rookie head coach, rookie quarterback, you have to be expecting to take, um, you know, those growing pains with, with um, each and every week that the season progresses, knowing that you're going to have some flashes of maybe some positive or some good, and there's going to be plenty of some head-scratching, aggravating, frustrating uh, things that play out as well. Here's, what, here's what's going to happen. Shane Steichen's going to take that six-back offense that they put in play in Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts, and he's going to take that style of offense and he's going to cater it around what Anthony Richardson is capable of doing and what Jonathan Taylor is capable of doing, making defenses have to defend a quote-unquote sixth back, a sixth man who could run the ball being the quarterback. And they're going to use that as their offensive schematic weapon. Uh, Like Alex said, we've seen plenty from Richardson in the passing game to know where his inconsistencies are and what's going to show up on the field. He doesn't, he doesn't process, um, he doesn't process routes and coverages quick enough to be able to get through more than two reads. The easy check down stuff is where his inaccuracies come in to play. Um, There's a little bit too much of inconsistency when it comes to touch and feel for his passes. He's got a cannon, but he doesn't know when to not throw it a hundred miles an hour. Not saying that he's not, capable of things every now and then but there's a lot of inconsistencies as a passer and uh, you don't just flip the switch and be good at it in the NFL right away especially when you only play 13 games in college that being said what Matt alluded to with the run game being very friendly I think Jonathan Taylor I think the offensive line getting back to what they've proven they can do in the past if they stay healthy and that schematic six-back offense that Shane Steichen is going to implement that will be the shield that the Colts can create to protect Anthony Richardson because he's going to turn the ball over. He's going to make mistakes. He's going to get sacked because he's going to try to run around um, a little bit more than he needs to. Other than that, in terms of the defensive side of the ball, you're going to rely on a couple of younger players. Julius Brents was their second round pick at corner. He's probably going to play a lot. Um, You've got some guys who have to step up and play um, a lot more snaps at linebacker, um, especially EJ Speed and Zaire Franklin, those guys are going to be playing a lot more. How will uh, Shaq Leonard recover coming off the injury? Like Matt said, that's a big question mark. Obviously, he's a an all-pro level player when he's out there on the field. And like Alex said, in terms of weapons in the passing game, yes, Michael Pittman's there. Alex Pierce is there. They drafted Josh Downs um, as a day-two pick to be a, a slot-wide receiver. But there's not a lot of proven consistency. Pierce and Pittman are both kind of big body, large catch radius type of wide receivers. They don't really create separation. They don't really have a lot of run after the catch. So there's not a whole lot of um, different play styles in their passing attack. Now the tight ends we like a little bit. We like Jelani Woods, big body tight end, Mo Cox, Will Mallory. They got three tight ends um, that can all excel in the red zone. Um, not that Anthony Richardson is very good in the red zone, but 
there's a lot of things that you can look at this team and say, okay, this could be a positive if we look at it glass half full. Um, but there's going to be a lot of growing pains similar to what the Houston Texans are probably going to go through with rookie coach, rookie uh, quarterback. So as far as team expectations from a fan's perspective, you won four games last year with this style of offense, with the skill of this quarterback, with the rookie head coach, with the players you have, you should expect to at least be one or two better than that. Um, unless like Alex said, unless the quarterback is a complete uh, catastrophe in year one, uh, Gardner Minshew playing quarterback for a significant amount of games is not going to end well. Um, not that I have anything against Gardner, or whatnot, but he's literally just a journeyman backup quarterback in terms of his skill set and ability. Can he win you a game here and there? Yes. If he has to play a long period of time, you see what kind of comes from that. So I don't expect them to be, you know, a team that rolls over and dies. Um, the division, like Alex said, um, is not going to be easy for them. Those first six games in their schedule uh, are not going to be easy for them. So you if you're looking at it from an odds perspective, we mentioned the six and a half over under on the win total, they're plus 500 to win the division, which is the, um, the third favorite in the division. Uh, so not a lot of faith, obviously there either. So this is not a team that I think a lot of people are expecting. Like I said before, leaps and bounds in terms of improvement, just because there's a lot of unknown. There's a lot of expected growing pains. Are they going to be competitive in games? Sure, because like Matt said, they've got some talent at some pretty key areas. Jonathan Taylor could be a bounce-back player. DeForest Buckner is a cornerstone franchise player on the defensive line. Same thing with Shaq Leonard, an off-ball linebacker. So there are players that can lead this team, but we all know rookie head coach, he's going to have to put his stamp on this team, and there's just too much unknown until you see it. Um, to really be able to predict uh, what what's going to happen. So we'll see. But that is the Indianapolis Colts. We'll move on to the third team in this AFC South team that ended the season. Listen to this. You boys probably know that, but in case of our listeners don't, this team literally ended the season on a 10-game losing streak. Definition of shitting the bed? The Tennessee Titans. The Tennessee Titans literally shit the bed. They were a seven-win football team. Um, they they crumbled down the stretch. Uh, we saw firsthand what they don't have, and that's a quarterback. Ryan Tannehill gets hurt. He's inconsistent anyway, but he gets hurt. They had Malik Willis, who they drafted in the third round as a rookie. They put him in. Realized this guy is not it. They had to go to a third-string quarterback in Joshua Dobbs. There's a reason why he's a third-string quarterback. Uh, you don't win games with third-string quarterbacks in the NFL. But needless to say, they went ahead. They drafted Peter Skaronsky in the first round offensive line. They took Will Levis, the quarterback, in round two. Tajay Spears, a running back to back up Derrick Henry in round three. So they added uh, offensive players with their first three picks. This team, the expectations are 100% different this year than they were going in to last year. What do you boys think the fans should be expecting from the Titans? 
a lot of the same. <laughs> a lot, a lot more catastrophe. Yeah, man. I mean, I mean, we mentioned that this team is when we when we are highlighting uh, the state of the franchise. We mentioned that this team is one hundred percent a team in transition, and that transition should be going towards a rebuild. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I yeah, I just don't know how they get it done, right? We we saw we saw the blueprint in week one to to stuff Derrick Henry, and every team took that and ran with it. I don't think he's going to be able to change his game plan much to help this team out. They got rid of their best wide receiver, who went on to have a career year in Philadelphia, and took Traylon Burks, who is is literally in a prove it year at this point. Um, Ryan Tannehill again is Ryan Tannehill. The guy's a sub average quarterback and the guy they replaced him with will Levis, while struggling in rookie camp as a rookie is not doing enough to secure his position as the number one quarterback of the team. Yeah. Contract has a lot to play with it, but I mean, it is what it is. Mike Vrabel signed himself to Ryan Tannehill when he brought him to that team for success and he is going to die on that fucking ship. So um, <laughs> this is a team in transition, like we talked about. I don't see them transitioning in the correct direction. Um, and I, I honestly don't even know. Uh, I mean, look, they ended on a 10 game losing streak. If they open the season on a four, five, six game losing streak, Braple's not going to be there the whole season. Well, and you mentioned the schedule. So, I mean, they got to go on the road to play the Saints. That's their, their first game of the season. Won't be easy. Uh, they get the Chargers, the Browns, the Bengals, uh, the next three. So first four games don't look promising. They won't be favorites, I don't think, in any of those first four. And then they finally get a division game week five on the road against the Colts before they have to face the Ravens, and they get an early bye week, week seven. So the schedule's not favorable to start with. Obviously, we know that they play their division. They play the NFC South. Um and they've got the AFC North. So it's not going to be a cakewalk for them at all. They're going to be favorites in, I mean, maybe four games this season. We'll see what Vegas thinks. But they might be a home favorite um, against the Texans. They might be a home favorite when they play against uh, Carolina or Indianapolis. They may be are a road favorite when they go and they play against Tampa. But, I mean, there there's no way that you can look at this team, the way they finished and what they did in the offseason and say, oh, yeah, I'd like them to win. Their over-under win total is seven and a half. Uh, I wouldn't be going anywhere near that at all. Their uh, odds to win the division plus 380, so they're the second betting favorite to win the division. Um, but even at plus 380, that's not a lot of confidence from Vegas. So fan expectations, it's tough. What do you think, Matt? Oh, the Texans or Titans. My God, uh, the Titans. What a uh, – they can either be decently consistent or they're going to be atrociously bad. Um, it's literally going to be polar opposite of which way the team goes. Like Alex said, they don't start the season off too easily. And with the skid that they had at the end of last year – if they look poor enough to start the year, they got an early buy. You very well could be seeing somebody step in as an interim head coach because of that early buy. There's a lot of time well, back in. If it goes badly the first six weeks, does Will Levis start when they come out of the bye week? I think so. I, I, I would think probably have to. Um, I mean, 
Like if they're one and five going into that week week seven bye week, you think you think they turn it over to Levis? Yeah, I, I think they do. Have to. I mean, yeah. defensively, could they maybe make some? I don't want to say statements, but could they maybe hold some games? It's potentially there. I mean, they've got some names, um, you know, in the back end and Byard and then down front and Simmons that, you know, could be some game changers here and there. Um, I'll tell I mean, you the what, health of Derrick Henry is key, right? I'll tell you, oh, 100%. And, I mean, the, at this point, though, it's – the Titans have done nothing to help themselves by Henry continuing in his career. Like, they're, they're starting to now, I think, hamper what – he's going to be able to do because we know what they're going to do. And I obviously, yes, we've known that for years. It's not nothing new, but there does become a point where when you keep doing that over and over and over, it's going to get figured out to a point where it's literally going to not work at all. Um, they're teetering on that line. Uh, well, and another point that I know you guys will bring up is literally, and Alex kind of alluded to it by them getting rid of AJ Brown and they, yeah, they drafted Traylon Burks round one. I mean, it's the worst wide receiving core in the league by a landslide. It's got to be. It's not like you've got some world beaters, uh, quarterbacks that can make any of them better either. So right. that passing game literally is going to be the backseat to Derrick Henry yet again, which nothing new. Same old, same old from the Titans. Um, honestly, that back end of their schedule after the bye week, which is, you know, quite a few games because of the early bye, but they do have five division games in that. That's that's all. I mean, that's a lot if you segment the season in a way. Uh, I mean, if they're if they're in it at that point, that's a big deal. But I, I don't even know. If well, I just the reason why I say it is a big deal, regardless of where you are, is just because you owe, you you want to show up against your division. I mean, that's at, at the end of the day. Even if you suck, you want to make a division game worth it. And I mean, they don't play their next division game. Um, it's what week eleven? Yeah, I'm looking at it. Week eleven at the Jaguars, and then from that point, it's five division games. That is just tough, and it's going to really tell you just where they stand in the landscape of the division. So that's yeah. Well, and I mean, we talked about it too. This is without a doubt. This division is without a doubt the um, the biggest division in terms of a division in transition. I mean, oh, yeah. you got three three teams who are potentially at some point this season going to play rookie quarterbacks. You've got uh, first-year head coaches in, in two of the four. So, I mean, in terms of the division outlook as a whole, this is a division that's in transition um, with one team, which will get to really a, uh, a far step ahead in terms of the progress. But, I mean, this Tennessee Titans team, we know, we know Vrabel can coach. The issue is not Vrabel, the head coach. The issue is the – scheme that you're running with the roster that you have because teams can hone in on what you know they're going to be getting from you. And that is Derrick Henry in the running game, because let's face it, like Alex said, nobody's afraid of Ryan Tannehill throwing the ball down the field. And nobody's afraid of the guys you have to cover down the field in the passing game on this team. Will Traylon Burks make some plays here and there? Sure, but it's not something you can hang your hat on like when they had A.J. Brown. So there's no reason why a team shouldn't be putting eight men in the box, play the run. If you have any kind of eye discipline, you're going to be able to stay home on your assignments in the play action, and you just roll the dice that whoever you have to cover and Tannehill throwing the ball 
are going to make the plays they need to make in the play action, but I'd roll those dice and I wouldn't let Derrick Henry beat me. That would be my play. There is a potential that this team, and yeah, I mean, we all just read or we just all heard what their win total prediction is because we know it from last week too. You know, you really start digging deep, and as I dug more into what this division is and this team, they could be a worse team this year. They could be the worst team in the league. I mean, that offense could be so miserable to the point where it's just so stagnant that they can't put up anything, and it's just going to be getting kicked around because, I mean, again, I alluded to it, but you really only have, what, two staple players on that defense? And yeah, then- I mean, Kevin Byard and Jeffrey Simmons are all pro players, but there's a lot of guys – you know, um, Simmons, Harold Landry coming off an injury. Well, yeah, I mean, but Simmons could get lost because guess what? It's one guy on the D-line. Uh, you know, people are going to know how to ho- attack him. And then you got a safety that, don't get me wrong, Byard's really fucking good. But, uh, I mean, you're not going to be scared to probably attack the Titans defense either. And I am going to challenge one thing you said. I actually think Fable is part of the problem. I don't think they've done a lot to help him. In, as we've alluded to, obviously how piss poor they've run, um, you know, getting guys in and out of his team. Yeah, but I mean, if Vrabel was making the draft picks, it probably would be a different story. I think, yeah, I, I don't know, though. I think Vrabel's becoming that coach that it's just becoming a little stale. And it's like, it's got to be a, I need something new, something different. And it's got to like, you know, inject some life back into him. Because I do think well, kind of just. Alex made the best point with Vrabel. Vrabel has tied his anchor to Tannehill, and he's going to sink with that ship and die on that hill. Uh, I actually – you cannot tell me that I have it now because I have definitely taken my opinion and shifted it. I wouldn't 100% wholeheartedly agree. I mean, Tannehill has literally hurt this team probably more than the Titans even want to admit. Yeah, yeah I mean, when you, get, when, you, when you get yourself in quarterback purgatory – all you do is a disservice to the rest of your team. You keep yourself in neutral, and I think that's kind of what's happened. Now, granted, they were a playoff team the previous two seasons before this past season's meltdown, um, but a lot of that was because of the players that they had in their prime. I mean, Derrick Henry, A.J. Well, Brown, they were remember, a better roster. They had A.J. Brown, who at least Tannehill could throw something up and hope that you're going to get a catch, which he did. And right. remember, Tannehill really started to skid like after that playoff loss like going into last year is where it started to shift and that's where Alex kept basically hammering me on I'm like okay you know what yeah uh, this is brutal and he is bad because yeah that was the shift so that's why I just think it's getting stale it's variable has not a lot to work with he's got the same mentality that he's had from day one with the Titans when they had good talent and I think it's just they're they're stagnant same old same old team it's just becoming madness. It's yeah. becoming pain. Well, and I think I think the Titans fans, uh, the expectations should be same old, same old this season. Uh, just because there's literally nothing that you look at on the roster or in the building that proves that there's going to be anything different besides the fact that you know Will Levis, if he plays quarterback, could provide something but there's a whole lot of unknown there's a reason why he was drafted in the second round where i mean if the if the titans loved him so much they would have taken him with the 11th pick you know so there's a reason why there's a reason why he was there in the second round for them to take uh that would be the only that would be the only hopeful thing if you're a titans fan is that maybe 
it starts out bad enough and they do make the switch and get Tannehill out of there and put Levis in and let him take his, let him take his lumps for 10 or 11 games. That way you can kind of figure out like, Hey, what he can do in the NFL, how you can transition your offense to his second year, then maybe start building it around him to what he can actually do. But um, you know, that's, that's throwing in the towel. And I, I don't think a lot of fans are going to want to do that with this team, but I think that's kind of the more realistic outlook right now. The seven and a half win total. I don't see this team being better than they were last year and they won seven games last year. So I don't see how you bet the over on seven and a half. I could see them being right around six or seven again, um, but no way do I see them being a better football team. No, they're, I mean, I joke that they could be the worst because their offense is so bad. But the funny thing is, is if the Titans do what Titans fans should probably expect, and that's same old, same old, that's seven win, eight win competitive team in some spots. So it's like they're, they're definitely a weird mystery wild card of probably not a whole lot. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's, um, let's move it on to the last team, the division champs from a year ago, the Jacksonville Jaguars. They were a nine-win football team last year. Obviously, they had to win some epic games at the end of the season to get in, but they got it done. Kudos to them. Um, a lot of progress year two for Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, year one, Doug Peterson as the head coach. Um, the expectations this year, I mean, this is really what's going to dictate this season is how this team now handles having real expectations from the fan base, um, from the media, that, okay, you're going into this season, you're the favorite to win the division at minus 190, your over-under win total is nine and a half, there's actual expectations, you know, you won a playoff game last year, now the expectations are win the division again, win a playoff game again, and then get yourself into that, that final four round of your conference to see what you're really made of. So, what should the fans' expectations be? And then how do you think this team responds to now finally having some real expectation? This is a different feel than it was in 2018 coming off of that 2017 out of nowhere miracle run. This team has a different roster makeup, a different coaching makeup. There's a different feel to this team. What should the fans' expectations be? And how did that team handle these expectations? Um, Go ahead, man. I mean – I mean, as a secondary Jaguars fan, um, yeah, it, you, you better fucking sweep this damn division because, quite frankly, it could sack up real well for you, too. Um, I mean, there's some spots that I worry about, like we've alluded in other shows. I, I mean, if you have one injury in your secondary, it's going to definitely be a struggle, especially if it's a, oh, at the safety position. Um, but... I mean, look, Peterson's a good coach, clearly. And he has clearly brought in the right mentality. We've said this multiple times, so I don't need to keep saying it. But the two teams with the biggest culture change that were ahead of the pace and ahead of the curve and will most likely stick was the Jags and the Giants. Look at the coaches. Um, it's just a different mentality. Um, it doesn't feel like, oh, my God, can we capture lightning in a bottle again? It's like, okay, no. How do we continue what we already did? Because we've got the players that can do it. Um, you said it. Lawrence showed incredible maturity um, at the quarterback position as the season went on. Um, I think he's going to definitely stack up as being one of the better passers in the league. ETN, good. that You now have a dual threat at receiver 
of a genuine toss-up of Kirk or Ridley of who's going to be your really good number one, and that stacks up well for him. The biggest worry I have is our former boy, Evan Ingram. Is he going to show up at tight end the same way and be that loose kind of like, I'm a tight end but slot receiver? Is tight end a bigger worry for you than their offensive line? Because I've got some (laughs) concerns. I was trying to be nice. Uh, Yeah, no, uh, the offensive line is definitely um, not really where I'd prefer it to be as a – looking at it from like a fan perspective or a team perspective. Yeah, if you're a Um, fan, that's probably the most – now you you drafted – Harrison at tackle in the first round. You got the Cam Robinson suspension. Walker Little will probably move over to left tackle. Harrison plays right tackle. Um, you know, Ben Barch, you need him to be healthy. Fortner year two. Sheriff, obviously a consistent player, but there's just there's a lot of uh, moving parts in that offensive line that if you had to nitpick and say, where are my concerns, at least on offense, it's that offensive line obviously what kind of um camaraderie and chemistry can they build who's going to be healthy who's going to take a step forward uh that would be probably an offensive concern if i had to look at it uh no i, I mean 100 i i think i think they've at least become a, a well-designed enough offense that they can navigate and i think there's enough talent on the skill positions that they can kind of navigate around it a little bit um, I mean, I like ETN entering this year. I like what he did. I, again, I already said it with Lawrence. Um, the defense, you know, there's definitely some question marks. There's definitely some some gaps in terms of, uh, you know, strength. Like, we need that pass rush to be significantly a step up. Um, yeah, they got to improve. I mean, they've got too many high picks invested in getting after the quarterback to be below average. Uh, 100%. I mean – at the end of the day, I think Peterson's going to be able to coach his team well enough to live up to the expectation, at least the expectation of division winner. Um, it just stacks up well. I mean, and I hope I don't jinx this by saying this, and any Jack fan that's listening, that they'll probably hate me, but this is a year where this is the Jags division to lose, finally. They're in that position, and it's it, it's big expectations, but I think they – I like it. The schedule's a little bit less than stellar. Um, especially well, now the- they got to play with the big boys now. Especially the weird back-to-back, like, hey, let's send you overseas and keep you there for two weeks. Um, interesting, but again, it's the Bills. Uh, I'd have to believe that that's because the Bills just absolutely trash wherever they go because they just go way too hard. Um, so I'm pretty sure that's why Duval does not want them back. Um why they probably they probably made that game become the one overseas, but um, it's an interesting part of the schedule. They got the midseason by. I think that does help them because it allows them to assess. Um, the biggest question mark to me, outside of everything, is can they hang on prime time? Because they have prime time this year. They're gonna be in the spotlight, and can they hang? And can they show up like they did in in a late part of the year? Yeah, Alex, what do you think with this? Uh, the expectations with these fans. I mean, like Matt said, it's it's shaping up to be their division to lose. What do you think with this team? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even say it's their division to lose. I, Jags aren't losing this division. They are by far the best team in this division and will be for a while. Um, yeah. We can go ahead and say, I mean, yeah, the, while the wide receiver core isn't big and flamboyant and out there that, you know, they, they, they snap and pop that everybody wants to see. They've got some good freaking players on their, on their, on their wide receiving core. 
Evan Ingram has bloomed into a really good tight end for this team. And he's got the fewest drop rates of all tight ends in the NFL. Whereas with the giants, he had the highest, right? So, um, it's, you know, it's, it's night and day. And again, that comes from having the proper coaching that comes from feeling accepted. That comes from being in an organization that, um, is going to use you the way that you need to be used to have success. So, um, uh, you know, uh, Trevor Lawrence going into year three, really year two um, in Doug Peterson's system. I, I don't know why there are people that are shocked still to this day that Doug Peterson is having success. The guy won the fucking Super Bowl with Nick Foles and had a successful season with Carson Wentz, who, if you guys haven't noticed, has been disastrous on every other team he's gone to. So um, Trevor Lawrence is by far none a far better quarterback than Nick Foles, a far better quarterback than Carson Wentz, and that's just that base level <coughs> talent without coaching. You take that and you throw Doug Peterson in, who has the experience and knows what to do. Yeah, their offensive line is questionable, and they need to do some shit to fix that. But that is that that's that's minor. We've seen a shit offensive line win the Super Bowl twice in the last four years. Chiefs. Yeah. It's not impossible, right? It's not. It's not ideal. Absolutely, it's not. But they have the capacity to do that. So, um, this is definitely the Jags' division. It's not their division to lose. That's not going to fucking happen. Not not a shot in fucking hell will that happen for anybody in Duval. So we can go ahead and stop that. But um, <laughs> well, their win total is uh, nine and a half over under. We all liked the over when we talked about yeah. it last week. We think they could win I, double I mean, digits, um, like Matt said. Six and zero in the division would not be out of uh, out of the question. They play against the AFC and NFC South. So they're they're a talented team. They've got a lot of good shit around them, right? They're an exciting team to play. I mean, shit. I went to I went to a game last year against the friggin' the Baltimore Ravens, where everybody for sure thought they were going to lose, and then after halftime, Doug Peterson, okay, time to kick it into gear. And what what's the trend of Doug Peterson? We stick to the game plan through the first half, and then he makes the adjustments that nobody thinks he's going to make, and they come out on top every single fucking time. So <laughs> I, this this doesn't surprise me, right? We knew this when when Doug Peterson got hired here. All three of us were like, "Yeah, hey, that's a good fucking hire." A lot yeah, one year too late. That. There a lot of people were yeah. drafting that, and I'm like, "What are you talking? Like, this is a good hire. Like, this is going to be good for the whole team." And it, here, here we are. It's it's showing to be a good a good thing for them. Um, I think they're, they're right. not going to be like they're not going to be Kansas City Chiefs level. They're not going to be Buffalo Bills level, right? But they're going to be up there in the conversation as as the four bet one of the four best teams in the freaking AFC. So, yeah, I think that should be the expectation from the fans. I, I, like I said, this should be a double digit win football team um, if they stay healthy in some key areas. Like Matt said, it's. It's questionable in the secondary. It's questionable on the offensive line. If a starter or two goes down or misses significant time, um, that could really rear its its ugly head. I'll yeah, be honest, thing, for a team that won the division. That they've, got cap. they've got cap space to go and make someone, grab someone in free agency if that happens. So it, Yeah, they can. There's certainly flexibility, but you want to keep your players healthy, especially if they're key contributors. Uh, the defense definitely has to improve. They were um, – near the bottom of the league when it comes to a lot of the key statistics, rushing the passer points per game yards allowed, things like that. So they got to improve on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously they've got key playmakers there that can take the ball away and keep them in games. I think the offense has the potential to take another step up, obviously getting Calvin Ridley as part of this offense. How does he acclimate and fit in? I don't think there's going to be any issues there. It might take him a little bit of time, but, 
You've got other guys that are established in this offense, like Matt said, with Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, Travis Etienne. Um, they brought in the rookie Tank Bigsby as backup running back to be a little bit more of a north-south runner to give Etienne a little bit of a break. That way he stays fresh and can be dynamic. There's a lot of things trending up for this team. Uh, now it's, okay, you did it last year. Now you have the expectations. Now go out there and prove that you can hang. We said it before. They should be able to handle the division. A sign of this team going in the right direction will be to handle their division, not have letdowns like they did where they lost at home to the Texans last year or they struggle with the Colts. They need to handle their division. They need to handle those divisional games against the NFC South, whether that's against Tampa or Atlanta or New Orleans um, or Carolina. They need to handle two of those. Because you look at the other games, like Matt said, now they got to play against some of the big boys now that they've won their division. They got to play against the Chiefs. They got to play against the Bills. They got to play against the Bengals. They got the Ravens. They got the Browns. They got the Steelers in that NFC North. So there is no more, uh, there's no more cupcake in a round besides, you know, the South, both AFC and NFC. They're going to have to handle their business in the games that they're expected to handle their business. And I think if they do that, that is 100% a sign of this team being ready to take that next step. When we were going through, you know, stages of the franchise, we said that this was an up and coming contender. That's where we had them labeled. They weren't, they weren't quite a, um, you know, a title contender team yet, but we had them as up and coming contender. And I think that this season can prove us being right. um, If they go ahead and they handle their business, I think Trevor Lawrence has got all the um, talent and experience, obviously, to take another step. They're going to need him to take another step because we see what the NFL is. The NFL is elite-level quarterbacks playing quarterback at an elite level, winning Super Bowls. That's literally what the NFL is. Um, if you if you don't believe me, go look at the team that's just won the fucking Super Bowl and they've won two of the last three, and let me know what you think about their quarterback. Now – As far as this division and the outlook moving forward, like Alex said, the Jaguars are, I don't want to say light years ahead because that's a catchy phrase, but they are definitely ahead by a good margin in terms of the structure of the organization, the coaching staff, the roster build, everything like that. They are definitely a leg up on the other three teams in this division. And like Alex said, this should be the Jaguars division to reign for the foreseeable future. The only thing that slows that down is a, one of these other teams hits on a franchise quarterback that they drafted or B something drastically bad happens um, when it comes to the Jaguars fortunes. But as, as far as the outlook right now, I mean, this should be the Jaguars division to win. They're minus 160 to win the division, which is one of the um, higher betting favorites in Vegas. So I think that fan expectation, you should be feeling damn good. Obviously, every fan should have, you know, those little worries here and there. We mentioned a couple. Um, But overall, you should feel good about where this team is, what this team's expectations should be, and and how you go about handling them. I think that uh, Duval County has a lot to be excited about when it comes to this football team. Now it's just time to go out there and handle business. So, I mean, that week two matchup. At home. Yeah, the home hey, opener against the defending Super Bowl champs. It's going to be 100 fucking degrees. <clears throat> the last time the Chiefs were down here in an early 
week two September game, the Jaguars got run off the field. Fans were fainting in the in the stands because it was too damn hot. Uh, so we're going to see, like you said, how they put on their big boy pants and play that kind of football game. Because if there's one thing we know, the Chiefs will be ready. Um, I think the interesting thing is, is having the Chiefs early in the year and then not in primetime really plays to Jack's favor. Um, well, the Chiefs are going to be coming off that Thursday home opener kickoff to the NFL season primetime game against the Lions. So they'll, they'll I mean, already I, have been adjusted to the spotlight, and they'll probably be ready for a, a lowly 1 o'clock Jacksonville football game. I mean, I'm sure they will be, but that's, again, that's where the Jags could really – do exactly what we're saying. Be the Jaguars and who? What? What's the motto been? They, they, who they always were, whatever the fuck it is. It was uh, always the Jags. I don't. I'm not in Duval, man. I don't see everything as much anymore. Um, it's okay. It was but, always the Jags, and we're gonna find out week two if it was always the Jags. I'm not. I mean, here's my the one thing I was gonna say on that. It bodes well because they don't have to play a big time until they're in London, and that's the Bills. And quite frankly, Jags play good in London, and it's the second game that they're in overseas so they're yeah, they get an advantage in that one too but i mean both of their both of their big time matchups early in the season if you look at it from a scheduling standpoint they've got the advantage there but you got to play the game right absolutely i mean you could still see like a only two loss team going in their bye which is exactly what is perfect for them um, yeah i mean if they only had two losses going into week nine they're set up for a good run towards the playoffs so very that possible. is um that is definitely possible that is the afc south like we said it is definitely a um a division in transition with one team uh, clearly at the top and primed and ready to go. So if you're a fan of the Titans, the Colts, the Texans, or the Jaguars, uh, we wish you luck. We hope you enjoy your NFL football season rooting for your team. Uh, for myself and Alex and Matt, it's been episode number 155 of Pound the Pigskin, where it's all football all the time. And We will see you next week.